Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining us, special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper is Bill Wagner and Chris Cervello is our producer. Today is January 27th, 2022. As we record this, we are coming off of a very nice bounce back win against the Bucknell Bison up in scenic Lewisburg uh, last evening. We'll discuss that we will also talk to Christine Copper, who is the NAAA faculty rep. And in light of the fact that the Navy Invitational is this weekend in the pool in Lejeune, uh, we talked to Navy diving coach for men's and women's Rich McDonald and his uh, star diver on the female side, Hannah Montag. So let's get into it. First and foremost, before we get into um, the basketball result, which was a much needed result, if you listen to us break down the collapse against Army, this was a very critical time. Maybe was sitting at fifth in the standings in the Patriot League after about two weeks ago when we were basically saying it was fait accompli that they were going to win the league. Now they've got like more work to do. But before we get into that, Navy track and field this past weekend in the annual Wesley Brown Invitational uh, they got three student athletes, Alex Rizzo, Katie Halpert, and Grayson Gravitt, combined to win four weekly accolades for their performances. In particular, Halpert registered three school records during the pentathlon uh, in the 60-meter hurdles, the long jump, and the pentathlon overall. So basically, you can say she's sort of a good athlete, like a modern-day Chris Cervello. But Wags, I know you, that you posted something on the Capitol website this morning, break it down a little bit more for us. How big of an accomplishment is this? Well, I think it's huge. I mean, it's rare that someone sets three school records in one meet. And John, what really makes this remarkable, is she did it in one night. The Invitational began on Friday afternoon at Wesley Brown. And uh, that began with the pentathlon events uh, were held Friday afternoon. So in the span of about four hours, Katie Halpert, who is the captain, senior captain, um, set three school records. She started off with the 60-meter dash, uh, did a PR there that proved to be a school record, and then uh, she later did the long jump, and it turns out that she surpassed her previous best long jump by almost a foot, which is just an incredible gain. But she told me when I did the interview with her, and because, frankly, John, I see – three school records in one meet. And I think, you know, that's a great little story. I mean, let's take some time and talk to this athlete and talk to Jamie Cook and give track and field some love. And I'm really glad I did. Enjoyed the, my conversation with Katie Halbert immensely. But um, she said that on the long jump, you know, as you know, it's a long approach and then you, you go off the board into the pit. And she said she's always misses the board. And she said, for the first time possibly ever, I actually launched directly off the board. So 
really that's the difference. I mean, if you're launching, you know, one foot in front of the board, you're losing, you know, lots of, of altitude. So she, she nailed it and uh, really, you know, shocked everyone. I mean, Jamie Cook was like, whoa, uh, a foot longer than your previous best mark. And then um, obviously at the end, she, uh, and the pentathlon, just so everyone knows, five events also includes the shot put and the high jump. And Katie said she finished th third in the high jump, but she didn't feel like she had a very good high jump. She didn't do well in the shot put. But it, so it came down to the 800 meter run. And she told me, I have kind of love hate relationship with the 800 meter run. I mean, you really got to push yourself in that event. But um, she, she, she did well. She finished third and that got her 707 points for placing third. And that enabled her to tie the school record for total points accumulated in the pentathlon. And, uh, you know, I just, I love little stories like this, John, and this is, you know, and it gives us a chance to put the spotlight on these student athletes. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed stepping away from the usual of basketball, basketball and lacrosse is coming up. As we know, football is omnipresent. It was just nice to be able to put the spotlight on a really fine track and field athlete who's also a tremendous leader. That's what I talked to her teammate, Annie Taylor, who's also a pentathlete and said, you know what, more than anything, she is my captain and we respect her so much. She leads us. She works harder than anyone. So everybody was really, really happy for Katie Halbert, John. Yeah. It, so check our Twitter account. We'll post Wags's story from the Capital Gazette on there. Check it out. But yeah, again, that's why we do this podcast, right? You know, we can talk about lax basketball and football all day long, but we'd like to talk about the other sports. Uh, and we'll eventually get to every single sport on this show, including in a murals and club, to highlight the student athletes that are doing their best uh, on behalf of the U.S. Naval Academy. Let's break down a couple of the other results, because our last pod earlier this week was really focused on the men's basketball result against Army. Uh, wrestling over the weekend crushed Cleveland State 32-7. to uh, Women's basketball, the same day that they played Bucknell, uh, the same day that the men played Bucknell, the women hosted Bucknell uh, here in Annapolis and lost 53-43. to Again, we can talk about it more, uh, but I feel like I, I would just be like, you know, just kicking a dead horse. But they just have to play better at home. Jen Coleman, yet another double-double. I think this is her 400,000th double-double uh, over the course of the season. 19 points, 11 defensive re or 11 rebounds, all of them on the defensive side, which is kind of a neat stat. But um, I don't know. Break it down for me, Wags. Like, Tim Taylor was really, really pumped after the last time we talked to him coming off of a big road win, and now they just can't get it done again against Bucknell at home. Well, John, it's just lack of consistency. I mean, it's just win one, lose one. Uh, the women just can't seem to put together any kind of winning streak. And we've talked about it all season. It's Jennifer Coleman and who else? And you just never know who else is going to step up and give you some points. But um, the men and women, both with this inability to win at home, it's crazy. I, I don't understand it. That's where you're comfortable. You have, you know, shoot arounds there. You practice. I, I just don't get it. It makes no sense whatsoever. But uh, I was really hopeful that the women's basketball team would really parlay this great emotional victory over Army 
and kind of get on the winning streak that they need to move out of the lower half of the standings. Uh, Kim, work. Time is slipping away here, John, and seedings are starting to become an issue. It's where are you in the Patriot League standings? And, you know, a Navy needs to move up or they're going to be on the road against one of the top-tier teams, and that's going to be difficult for an opening round game in the Patriot League tournament. So uh, you've got to get some help, more consistency. We've talked about it time after time after time. Jennifer Coleman, I mean, John, after the Army game, they, they were talking, we're using words like all-American type play, all-American. Um, she, she should be the player of the year. If the player of the year is based off who means the most to their team, it's Jennifer Coleman. Uh, you know, now they may decide that, hey, we're going to take the best player on the best team. So whoever wins the regular season and there are other good players out there, that could hurt Jennifer if Navy finishes low in the standings. But if it's really based off of who is the most valuable player to their team, there's no one even close. If Jennifer Coleman doesn't go for 20 plus points a game, which she does every single game, the consistency is just off the charts. Um She's amazing. If they don't, if she doesn't produce, Navy doesn't have a chance to win, but she's got to start getting some help. Lindsay Llewellyn needs to be scoring double figures. Sydney Watts had been scoring double figures. Um, you know, this they need three other people to start stepping up offensively to help out Jen. Yep. And uh, I saw in the box score that easily the most primetime athlete on that squad, Sam Schofield, was back from injury. Didn't get a lot of minutes, but, uh, you know, we'll see what that portends in the future. But yeah, I mean, again, we can have this conversation. Chris Cervello talked about it for an entire baseball season. Like, hey, you want to give the MVP to Cedric Mullins? I'd love you to. He had an unbelievable season. Uh, what I'd also like is to not watch that team lose 110 games. So that's the that's the problem that Jen Coleman's facing is that parking lot said uh, type of comparison where you can have great numbers, but if you're on the worst team in the league, are you really going to get noticed? We don't know. Talking about a team that isn't the worst in the league, the Navy men's team, in what I felt was really the game of the year. Um, you know, and, and I'm into histrionics and I get it. But I'll tell you what, coming off of the Army game and then going into Lewisburg in front of dozens of people, the announced attendance was 701. No way, no chance. Um, but, you know, in, in front of hostile fans, only 700 of them, um, Navy came away with an 81 to 63 win. Great nights by Tyler Nelson. Started off five for five from the field and then came back to earth, finishing five from 10 from the field uh, with a total of 14 points. Uh, Najoku with 10. Uh, Deaver with 11. Jalen Walker with 14. Um, our, our boy Patrick Dorsey with 10 bounds and kind of an all-around hustle game. Um, Wags, what did you take away from this very important bounce-back win? Well, you said it, John, bounce-back win, and that's what you got to do. And we, I was concerned. Uh, I was worried that the devastating Army loss would linger. I mean, that's hard to get over what happened on Saturday. And so to see Navy, you know, play like that on the road against Bucknell, which is, I think, if you go back and look at the history, uh, Navy hasn't won a lot of games in Soika Pavilion. Now, uh, the recent history is Navy's putting it on Bucknell, home and away. They've won. Their, I, I'll have to go look at the numbers, but they've won something like six of eight or 
So they, they're, they're in a nice little groove against Bucknell. And uh, former Navy assistant, we mentioned about Jimmy Allen being an old Don DeVoe guy. Well, so is Emmett, um, I mean, Nathan Davis. So, uh, but great win. A lot of production across the board. A little bit of an off night for John Carter. But uh, his teammates picked him up. And uh, they really took control. Now, John, you were watching on ESPN+. Plus. I had another event to cover, so I wasn't able to have eyeballs on the game. But I was following along on Twitter and some of your posts about announcers who seem clueless and you thought that they owned the local gas station. I don't know if that's true I'm just or not. Saying, like, I, I believe, and I know that Mike Aldhouse tweeted something similar to this. I believe that we are, we see with the advent of ESPN plus just how lucky we are to have people like Pete Medhurst and Mike Heary calling the action because they are so good. Now I love the local coverage and I'm sure next year, you know, Fran O'Hanlon will be the color guy for Lafayette and, It'll be neat to have like an old coach doing that stuff. But the localized coverage not only makes it interesting, but it also makes me realize how what pros we have with the Navy Basketball Network. Chris? The disparity is, is great. It's startling how different it is when you watch an away game. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I forget. I, it was either like Lafayette. I think it was Lafayette where like the two dudes confused Tyler Nelson and Patrick Dorsey like 20 times. Like, come on. Um, Tyler Nelson, I will say, and I tweeted something out during the game. He, the difference from him as a plebe to where he is today, just body style. Like I put out and I believe that kid has an NBA body. Is he going to play in the NBA? I don't know, but he has an NBA body. He had an NBA game for the first part of the game. Again, he, he cooled off, came down to earth, but you know, when they went to halftime and, uh, John Carter Jr. had a big goose egg in terms of points. Their lead was due almost entirely to Tyler Nelson offensively and then the hustle of everyone else. Deaver had foul trouble. Najoku wasn't really a factor in the first half. So all of a sudden he looked up and I had to like, I didn't, again, we, we covered Navy sports. I didn't know that Nate Allison was in the rotation, but all of a sudden they're like, hey, Nate Allison's on the floor. And I thought that like the two gas station broadcasters like had made an error but nope Nate Allison got almost 10 minutes of playing time now this this rotation is super deep wags right right Nate Allison got was in the rotation but he got injured John um so he's getting back uh he he, he's he's contributed he's a good player and uh you know the deeper they can go the better because as we know and has seen guys will get injured they'll you know you always need bodies and uh but Nate's a good player and he was in the rotation but he suffered an injury and he's just now getting back but I, I want to comment on Tyler Nelson because you're right the upside for Tyler Nelson is absolutely spectacular uh, he just keeps getting better and better and to me he's still a raw product ready to be molded I mean anybody needs to go see the pictures posted by both Phil Hoffman the Navy athletics photographer and Paul Gillespie, the Capital Gazette photographer of the dunk that Tyler Nelson threw down. If you go and look at the picture, his head is even with the rim. I mean, he is a high flyer and he had two dunks against Army that were just ESPN top 10 highlight reel dunks. And anyone who can do that catches the attention of the pro scouts. And, you know, Tyler might not have quite the polished game you know, he's a perimeter player. He's got probably got to shoot the three a little bit more uh, consistently, but I think he could only get better. I mean, 
she's a whiz. If he had an opportunity, which you don't get when you're a Naval Academy graduate, to play overseas, he is the absolute ideal candidate to go overseas and polish his game. And then three or four years from now, you're like, wow, that guy got really, really good. And now he's in the NBA. But unfortunately, I don't think that the DOD policy applies to going to play for Inter Milan or in Italy. But it's a shame because he has a huge upside. And I, I can't even imagine where Tyler would be in two or three years if he were able to continue to play basketball, John. Yeah, I'd love to get online and get the uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv Tyler Nelson jersey. I think that would be uh, fantastic. But hey, in the end, yeah, really happy. Hopefully we miss Bucknell uh, in the Patriot League tournament because frankly, even though they're four and 17 and one and eight in the league now, I just don't want to see Andrew Funk anymore. I don't want to see any Funk brothers. The, the Funk brother went to Army, Andrew at Bucknell. I'm sick of them. Uh, so good riddance to them. Good 81 to 63 win for Navy. And now a good chance over the weekend for the men and the women, the men to get right back up there closer to Colgate at the top of the standings. And for the women to do what you said, Wags, to, to get better and, and overcome, um, you know, the, these problems that they're having, uh, get a better seed. They, you know, they have another home game against American um, well, Navy men have a home game against American Saturday at 2 p.m. The ladies will go on the road. Please, again, I'm channeling my Matt Munley here. Please come out and see this very good basketball team play Saturday, 2 p.m. at America or home against American. You talk about that energy that was missing from Soika Pavilion last night that's missing from Alumni Hall. It needs mids and it needs fans. So let's get them out there. So great breakdown. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Christine Copper, the athletics rep for uh, the faculty. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. The Sing Second Sports podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. Whether it's the burger of the day in an old fashioned or a Cabernet and their Cuban sandwich, which is my favorite, be sure to check out both locations when you come to town to catch a basketball game or lacrosse game here this winter and fall. That's Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar on Main Street in Annapolis. Now back to the pod. All right, everyone, we are back. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. So thankful to be joined here in our faculty segment by Christine Copper. She is in her 25th year in the chemistry department and has been at the Naval Academy since 1995. Uh, she became the FAC rep uh, in 2008 and serves on the Naval Academy Athletic Association Board of Control and also chairs the Patriot League Policy Committee. Um, and she has the distinction of working side by side in the chemistry department uh, with uh, Whitaker and um, and the rest of them who seem to always just like Chris Kinter and Whitaker who always just seem to be out on the Naval Academy golf course. We won't talk about whether they play more golf than they teach, but Christine, thank you so much for joining us and tell us a little bit more about what your uh, position entails. So yeah, John, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about this um, this position that I have. So um, that 
Every school who has NCAA athletics has a main liaison between the faculty and the athletic department. So that's the role that I hold here at the Naval Academy. And in this role, we are all uh, tracking three things, um, institutional control of athletics, academic integrity of the athletes and the athletic department, and then student athlete well-being and anything we can do to, to make uh, things better for our midshipmen athletes. So the proof is in the pudding, right, Christine? I mean, you've got to be sitting back here in the past 12 months and you see former athlete Kayla Barron go up into space. Uh, you see Sarah Skinner on the women's rugby team uh, receive a Rhodes Scholarship. Things like this, how, how redeeming is it for you to be in that position and to watch uh, these young women and these young men come through the Naval Academy and go out and succeed uh, on, on much larger stages after succeeding on the athletic fields? Yeah, it's great. You know, a third of the brigade of midshipmen participate in the varsity sports program here. So there have been so many athletes and especially in my long time here that, you know, they, they make an impact on you here when you watch them participate or now that I, I get to meet them. And there's a lot of the team captains I've worked with through the years and, and try to help their teams, but to, to see what they do once they graduate from here, it's, it, it's really, um, it's why many of us work here for our entire career, right? We, we know, I know I'm not making um, chemists like myself right away, if, if, if ever, right? They graduate and they're expected to, to serve, you know, their, their commitment, but also many of them we hoped will go on to a career in the Navy and Marine Corps and to see the things that they do at that level, let alone end up being astronauts and, you know, and uh, doctors and, you know, you name it, winning amazing things here. Um, we had a long streak of students winning a very prestigious um, NCAA postgraduate scholarship where they could use that that money to towards a graduate education. Um, I had meant I've helped many students win those in my time as the uh, as the liaison to to athletics and and writing recommendation letters for those students for programs like that is so rewarding because of everything they've been able to do here as an athlete and on top of that how much they've excelled as students and in the military piece here as well. How important do you think it is? Um, that there is a mandated athletic requirement. You know, it, I, I think you and I have talked before as we've come across each other, you know, about how, yeah, I, I certainly was able to become a naval officer, but no one required me to do athletics on the level that they do at the Naval Academy. I didn't have to do a D1 sport or an intramural sport or a club sport for ROTC, all I had to do was get up in the morning at 6 a.m. and run three times a week. You know, like, I'm not saying that ROTC programs like Villanova and Notre Dame don't make flag officers and don't make successful officers. They make both. But what is it about, you know, the, the physical mission being an absolute requirement as part of your four years here, you know, that, that creates that difference, well, I think it, it helps with the discipline piece, right? There's so much, um, so much filling the midshipmen's time here 
And to then require all of them to do some physical activity as well, um, even at the intramural level, right? There's a discipline to that, right? Making yourself go and do it, making yourself be a, an enthusiastic participant in that and, and to have the camaraderie with the others um, competing in, in whatever it is, whether it's, you know, intramural volleyball or if it's, you know, our division one uh, sports programs, I, I think it really, you know, we try to almost overwhelm the students with things to do here and see if they can handle it. But to put a physical piece in there on top of the, the mental and the moral pieces we give them. Um, and I think they learn to, to be able to perform under pressure. And quite honestly, they, they probably just meet a lot more people and learn to interact with, with students um, from all different backgrounds, because there is such a mixture when you put them on the field of play, it all kind of levels out as you're just playing a sport at that time, right? There's, there's nothing else. Your background doesn't come into it, but then you're still interacting with those students that are different from you and, and learning. And the more they can learn about each other and about having interactions with different folks, the better leaders they're going to be when they graduate. So what's your take on, you know, because my old boss, and I'm sure you remember him, Slapshot Carter used to love, and we were kind of inundated with media requests in and around the time that concussions started coming into the conversation a lot. Uh, and there was questioning about, you know, the requirement of plead boxing. And Slapshot was great. He was like, hey, the physical mission is one of the three parts of the triad here, and we believe that it's critical. And I'd and I, you know, challenge anyone out there uh, to find anyone else at, at an institution where, where their requirement for graduation is that they get punched in the face because that's what the plea boxing requirement is. And he said, you learn a whole lot about yourself when you're in the cockpit or standing in front of a platoon or in a boardroom or defending your, you know, Trident Scholar uh, project. Like when you've been punched in the face, you know a lot about um, a lot about adversity. From your perspective as an academic, how, how do you balance that? You know, making sure that people show up to chemistry and they're doing what they have to do academically, but they might be coming from like, you know, jumping off the platform in Lejeune or, or getting punched in the face in boxing class. <laughs> well, I, I'm not completely convinced that getting punched in the face is great for anyone, but I, I do understand it in, a, you know, a few years back, I, I was boxing in the evenings myself, and uh, I understand what it's like to get punched in the, in the face, and I'm not sure I'm going to sign back up for that. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I, as the faculty here, um, we know that we are not just, um, we're not the main thing that these students need to worry about, right? We know we are just part of all of the things the midshipmen are asked to excel at. So when we have students who are, you know, coming from doing one of these other activities, whether it's, you know, their PE courses, which can be pretty, um, pretty high impact or, or even, you know, all their participation, all their time in their varsity sports or having done the SEAL screener for a weekend, you know, we, we know we've seen those students in our classes over and over. And we, we know sometimes they're, they're going to, um, you know, not be coming at a hundred percent because they've, they've done something as part of the physical mission and makes it a little bit harder for them to, to maybe be at their best in class that day. But, but we know that's the case here in terms of the physical mission is just as important as what we're doing. And I think that's the beauty of, I talk to a lot of recruits on our athletic teams and the, the beauty of um, having a third of the student body play um, our 
our varsity sports and then up to half of the place when you add in the club sports are competing against other schools in, in sport. The faculty here understand that. We work with our students. We want them to graduate. We're not trying to weed anybody out. We're not going to give them a free pass on anything, but we understand that part of, you know, the physical mission is part of their deal too. And we really do, um, you know, we respect them for it. I think, I don't think there's too many faculty that are, um, you know, going to go line up to do some of the things that we ask of our students, but we, and, but we appreciate why they're doing it and, and we're impressed by it. So um, I don't think anyone sees any of that as something that's not necessary here because the gains from, from doing any of these physical challenges or from the competition they get in their sport arena, they're, they directly relate to them being good leaders down the road. If you can't perform under pressure, you're not going to make out so well in the Navy and Marine Corps. Or, yeah. or quite honestly, pick yourself up from, from adversity when things don't go your way. Exactly. In and out of uniform. So very well said. Well, I'll give you as the final question, the same opportunity that we ask everyone, both current students, alumni, uh, coaches, you know, if you have an opportunity, you, you're sharing an elevator with a prospective uh, college student, uh, you're talking to someone at a football game or just anyone who's asking questions about the Naval Academy, what's, what's your sales pitch? What makes this special? I know we can talk about U.S. News and World Report rankings and all the other stuff that uh, that is often used as a measuring stick. But for you, from your level, from your experience, what makes the Naval Academy special and why should someone consider attending? I think because the people here want you to succeed. I think academically it's special because of all the um, support that you get, whether it's in the classroom or outside of the classroom with all the access you have to your faculty and all the support structure we have built in to help students um, do well in their military aspects as, uh, here too. Um, and I think I mostly talk to, like I said, I talk to a lot of our recruits and I, I try to convince them this is a place where you can do something that's just not about you right? It can be about you and you, you have to do well and you want to perform so you can be a super strong competitor and come here and, and be real competitive and try to get a high ranking and everything and everything else. But you also have to be able to work, work with others to, to accomplish things too. So if you're, if you're willing to take the challenge to, to work well with others and to, to all be heading in the same direction and Quite honestly, they get really cool jobs when they graduate, right? You get to to pick and choose from your various service assignments, and and you know, lucky enough, they get to try them out even in the summers before they make that choice. And not too many other eighteen to twenty two year olds get the opportunities we give them here with that kind of prize they get at the end if they they make it there. And everybody wants them to make it there. We are not trying to, you know, have anyone not be successful. We think that's our failure. Yeah, you get to see the world, not have any school loans, guaranteed job, and substantive real-world leadership experience. I mean, I, for me, it's it's a no-brainer. If only I could get my three kids to listen to that, that would be fantastic. So, Well, send uh, them by, and I'll give them the sales pitch, see what I can do. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably deliver it better than I can, Christine, that's for sure. Well, before I let you go, I, I would be remiss if I did not uh, mentioned that not only are you from the great city of Philadelphia, but you were an athlete in your own right, uh, a fantastic tennis player. In fact, an All-American tennis player at Mary Washington. Uh, shout out to all the good tennis players out there, including uh, your old teammate, Maggie McGrath. Um, Christine, thank you so much for joining the Sing Second Sports podcast, and we look forward to having you on again in the future.
Thanks for the opportunity. Always happy to talk about this uh, great job that I have here and one that I love coming and doing every day. And we love that you do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Christine Copper from the chemistry department and your Navy faculty athletics representative. Uh, we are going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll have our next segment. This is Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our fall and winter sponsors, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis and Academy Consulting. Thank you for your support. It's through their generosity that we're able to bring you Sing Second Sports each and every week. If you're interested in being a sponsor, drop us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Happy to be joined on the athlete segment by Hannah Montau. She is a firstie from right here in Germantown, Maryland. She is on the diving team. Uh, she was selected as the 2019 Patriot League Diver of the Year, and she also received first-team All-League honors in 2019 and 2020. The semester has just begun, and you know the academic semester does very well for Hannah. She received academic honors uh, from the Naval Academy during one semester of her career, and now approaching graduation, one more semester to go. Number one, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. Number two, walk us through, you know, what being on the diving team has meant to you over the course of your entire career. What's it been like? How did it help you during your hardest times? What were your challenges? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the dive team really, to me, it's just all about the people. Like day one, since I stepped on to the pool deck, Everyone's just super caring, super loving. All they cared about was trying to help you. And because of them, I don't think I would have made it through this point right now. So just very, very thankful for them. Walk us through your events. Like, what, what are you good at? You know, this is our first time featuring diving. You know, our, our charter, our mission as we started this podcast was to cover the physical mission across all the sports. Uh, club, intramural, uh, varsity, D1. Um, so walk us through a little bit, you know, what your athletic season is, what events you compete in, and what's so special about being a diver. Yeah, for sure. So diving is pretty much like a year-round sport, and we don't really stop, like, training. We just stop competing, like, around March-ish. And so I do the one-meter, three-meter, and platform. And so – one meter is like the super like low board. Then you have three meter, which is like in the middle. And then you have platform, you have five meter, you have seven meter, you have 10 meter. So I would say that my favorite one is the platform event because not many people do it. And then um, I had a teammate for three years who did platform with me. And so that was super fun, super competitive. And we ended up qualifying to nationals for three years. And so I would say platform is one of the more, I would say, um, exciting events to watch and to compete as well. Again, we talk to athletes and coaches and alumni every week about what the physical mission had meant to them, why it gave them the work ethic they needed to run for Congress or be the CEO of a company or be the CEO of a ship for that matter. For you, what are you going to walk away from the Naval Academy knowing that the physical mission gave you? I would say definitely three things. I would say commitment, dedication, um, and just being humble as well. Walk us through the season ahead for you. 
Um, you know, what are some of the big meets? And, you know, as of right now, we anticipate that we can have people um, in Lejeune to watch these. But, you know, what, what, what have you circled on your calendar in terms of the big events, knowing that it all starts off on January 29th with the Navy Invitational? Um, I assume that has a diving element. After that, walk us through what happens. Yeah, so January 29th is actually our senior night. So that's going to be a very interesting day for me. I did not think it was going to come this fast. And then after that day, we have Patriots uh, in the middle of February. So that's like the next biggest meet. And then right after Patriots, we're going to get ready for zones. And luckily it's here in Annapolis. So that's super exciting. I remember I had zones, my plebe year here. And so to just finish off zones here, it's kind of nice. And then hopefully after zones, NCAAs last week and then yeah. retired. Yeah, let's get you to, to Atlanta and get you retired with a trip to Atlanta. Lastly, you have a chance, either going back to your high school or you've got a drag around the yard or you're talking to anyone about what the Naval Academy experience has meant for you as, as you are now on the downward slope. You've got a lot to compete for athletically still, but in three, three and a half months, you're, you're going to be gonzo. Um, what would you tell people about what's special about the Naval Academy if they're considering it? Maybe they're not considering it against Air Force and Army, but maybe they're considering against Lafayette or Davidson or College of Charleston or something like that. What is so special about the Naval Academy for you, for Hannah? Yeah, I think most people say it's the people, and I definitely would have to um, agree with that. And so definitely the people and just take in every moment you have at the Academy because it only happens once. And I'm in my last semester, which I never thought would come so quick. And here I am. And it's like, man, I miss, like, I mean, I feel like I miss so much, but like, I really didn't. Well, yeah, real quickly. And I'm sorry to join late Hannah. Thanks for joining Sing Second Sports. We love having you on. Um, we talk all the time jokingly about death taxes and Navy over Army and swimming and diving. The streaks are enormous, both men and women. Is that anything you all talk about within the organization? Or, I mean, because you don't want it to have a life of its own and then it becomes bigger than it is and becomes a gorilla on the back of, oh, God, we got to continue the streak. Um how, how do you all treat that within the organization? Uh, that's a good question. So pretty much it's like you start to train for Army as soon as the meet is over. So it's just a nonstop like, okay, Army, Army, Army. And then it's like the next year. So this year it was 33. So like we're starting already for 34. So it's not, it's not taken pretty light. And it's, I guess it's you, the coaching staff, you just answered my question, but I'll say it anyway. They don't let you get complacent, but I guess not when they say that we're preparing for their next victory over Army after we just got done beating them. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. Back to John. Thank you All so right. much for having me. Hannah, that's awesome. Good luck uh, in class and good luck the rest of the way. And we wish you luck in your career as an NFO. And yeah, here's seeing you uh, in Atlanta later on this spring. Thank you so much, sir. I really, really appreciate it.
No, we appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're a great example of what makes the Naval Academy awesome. Um, let's switch gears as Hannah goes off to six period class. We are happy to welcome in her coach, the diving coach at the U.S. Naval Academy, Rich McDonald. He is beginning his ninth season as the men's and women's diving coach. Well, he began that in the fall, so he's in the thick of his ninth season. Um, he is a seven-time Patriot League Coach of the Year. He's guided the mids to 20 event titles at the Patriot League Championship in a very short time. The remainder of the league during that same time of his era um, has combined to win only eight boards. Uh, four of McDonald's divers have competed in nine events during the 2021 NCAA championship, and we're certainly hoping that people like Hannah are going to be competing here in the spring down in Atlanta. So, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. So I'll ask the question that Wags asked Hannah um, as we were nearing the end of the interview. What does the streak against Army mean to you? And, you know, we're coming off of an incredibly successful fall season uh, where we went nine and one um, against Army, um, including men swimming and diving for the 33rd and 31st times. It's part of an overall narrative of success against Army, which a lot of us hold very near and dear to our hearts that success. What does that streak mean to you? And what is the Army Navy rivalry? You know, how, how has it become kind of the focus of your of of your coaching effort? Well, when I was at civilian schools, definitely my focus was championship season at the end of the year. That changes our focus because now we have to be ready for a really intense meet in December. Um, so it changes the, the coaching season a little bit. Um, you know, as, as far as the streak, you know, I just feel, you know, some pressure just to keep the streak alive. You know, it was, it, you know, those streaks were in their 20s when I first got here. So um, Joe Seriano, the diving coach before me, did a great job. Um, and I just don't want to let him down and, and uh, let the alumni down. So there is some pressure, but you, you also have to treat it, you know, as, an, as kind of another meet. You know, you can't put too much on it. Um, but, yeah can't lie to you it's it's definitely stressful the week before wags well coach this may sound like a bit of a silly question but i'll i'll be honest i've always been curious about this it's it says swimming and diving that's the program but from the outside we would think it seems almost like two such completely different disciplines that it's almost like two different teams how do you all operate i mean how much you know you know, synergy, if you will, is there between the swimming and the diving? Or do you divers go off in your own little corner and we do our dives and we don't care what the swimmers are doing? Um, you know, almost like no, now. The yeah, it's definitely not like that. The, the good thing is um, John, Bill and I are all good friends outside of the pool um, and in the pool. Yes, it's to two totally different sports. We do everything above water. They do everything below water. Um, when I came in here, I guess the teams were not as close as they are now, but the divers hang out with the swimmers. Um, you know, the men's team hangs out with the women's team. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty tight family. Um, but to go with it, what I've always equated divers, it, we're like the field goal, field goal kickers in football. If, I was going to use that football. analogy because I go to football and I see the specialists off on the side field kicking and punting and snapping and I was wondering if that's the dynamic with swimming and diving, that the divers are like the specialists. Yep. I, yeah, that's, that's always been how I equate it. And, you know, in the locker rooms, you know, we're all the same. 
You know, it, the sprinters are just as, you know, as tight with the divers as the distance swimmers. And um, so, yeah, it's on outside when you're looking at a competition, it does look like two totally different sports. But, you know, the swimmers are always coming down and cheering on the divers when they have time. And when we're not competing, we're down there cheering on the swimmers. So, well, and and so what about like when you get to a, a big match like an army? Is there a strategy session you work with uh, John and Bill and map out exactly what we need points wise out of the divers? And I mean, you guys got to deliver on your end, right? Correct. Correct. For sure. That's the one good thing that I like about my sport. There isn't too, too much strategy. I mean, there is, you know, maybe you have a big dive that you're not doing really well, but it has high DD. Maybe you lean towards that dive or maybe you do the easier dive that you know you can nail, um, but doesn't have as high a degree of difficulty. So you're not going to score. The risk isn't, you know, the risk and reward isn't, isn't quite there. Um, but, you know, so we just train and do our thing and, and uh, you know, the swim coaches have a lot different thing. You know, the, their best swimmers, are they going to put them in the 200 back? Are they going to put them in the 200 free? They've got to kind of do that. We just, we know what dives we're doing and let's do them the best we can. And uh, kind of let's do a little trip down memory lane. During your time here, can you talk about some of the great divers, both men and women that have come through the Navy program, divers that were went on to go to NCAA's Patriot League champion type divers. Can you mention a few names of some of the great divers you've had the pleasure to coach during your time at the Academy? Yeah. I mean, I was blessed. Uh, I, I inherited a pretty talented men's team for sure. And, and that was kind of made it easier on the recruiting end. Got a pretty good first recruit in Nate Belch who made the uh, NCAA zone meet every year. Um, but I would say um, the biggest one has to be Bradley Bookter. He made NC2A's, Every year, he was an All-American his junior year, was slated to probably be at least a medalist his senior year at NCAAs on one meter. Um, and the female that you were just talking to, Hannah, will will definitely go down as, as one of the best um, divers that I've had here. Her and Megan Gerdaz, uh, who graduated last year, um, two very talented divers. Megan made NCAAs three times, um, which is kind of a big deal. Um, in our sport, especially here at Navy, um, they just haven't had that many divers make NCAs in the past 30 years or so. Um, you know, but, you know, not in my tenure, but there was Nate Smith, who was an 11 time All American, um, which is pretty, pretty amazing. He's still a good friend of the program. Um, he only had 12 shots to be an uh, All American over his four years, and he did it 11 times. So um, the, the history's there. Um, it's just, I've just been lucky and blessed that, that, we've been pretty consistent making that meet and hopefully we continue to do so. Yeah. I remember Nate Smith. He is something else. What a uh, last question for me, you know, all of us parents at some point get our kids on the local swim team. We want them to learn how to swim. Some, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was a part of the river swim league here in our area of Annapolis. Back in the day, we would actually compete on the rivers, Severn river, wherever the uh, wow. various neighborhoods were located. Um, I don't, you know, how does one become a diver? You, you go and you're part of the swimming team at your local neighborhood, but they don't often have a diving team. Um, I, I don't know about the local Annapolis swim club and whether they have a diving team, but how do people develop into divers? Cause everybody swims at some point in their life and might join the neighborhood swim team, but 
How and when do they transition into becoming divers? Um, it depends on your state, really. Um, a lot of summer leagues have diving, and that's where most kids get into diving. Um, some just do it in the summer, and then the ones that are pretty good and competitive, they'll join club teams. There's many uh, club teams in you know all around the country. Northern Virginia has three very talented ones. Um, Rockville is kind of in the they, – they had one very – but right now they're, they're uh, still trying to build it back up, you know, in the future, when my kids get a little bit older, my own children, um, that might be something that I would do here in Annapolis, but it, it is a little bit more difficult. It's kind of like gymnastics. Sometimes the divers have to drive up to an hour, hour and a half just to train. Um, so it is a little bit more difficult, but um, there are programs around, but usually it's the summer league. And then once they get into high school, um, most high school teams around the country have swimming and diving. Um, Maryland is is not one of them, um, but Virginia and, and all the, the surrounding states, they do. Well, last but not least for me, before I throw it back to John, is it very rare that someone can excel in both swimming and diving at the collegiate level? Extremely rare. Has it's it extremely happened? rare. It's, yeah, it's extremely rare. But it's funny that you asked that because my college coach, I went to University of Rhode Island, graduated um, 1997. He was the uh, the only one. He won two individual swimming swimming events and both springboard diving events at D3 National Championships twice. And I, I don't know of anybody else ever doing that. Um, so it's, wow. it's extremely rare. But it, I was he the one that did it was was one of my coaches in college. As I let you go, a couple of quick fire ones to keep it light. Uh, every midshipman at the Naval Academy is an athlete, but also every midshipman is a diver. They all have to go off the platform. I was talking to Hannah a little bit before about whether she like showed off and went like triple Lindy uh, during her platform jump in order to you know show her chops. She said she just did it regular. But do they ever call you like do the detailers call you out there like when they're trying to get dudes to jump off the platform to give them a pep talk? Sometimes if I'm on deck, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, some of the PE instructors have reached out to me during remedials to see if I can, you know, give my words of advice. Um, but, yeah, some detailers would really love it if, if they, you know, a diver just went up and did a front three and a half or something. But uh, most of the detailers, they don't like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> And as I, I, think that as would I be tell my plebs, as I tell my plebs, try not to stand out too much. So, oh, see, that's <laughs> not the Schofield way. I'd, I'd right. be out there triple lindying like crazy. <laughs> um, lastly, uh, from your perspective, what is so special about the Naval Academy? Like, what is the main pitch you come back to when you talk to a recruit, when you talk to people about what your job is, when you explain to family where you work? What is so special about the Naval Academy and the physical mission for you? Um, because it looks like it's something individualized for every coach, every athlete, every alumnus. Um, but for you, what what is really so special about it? Well, I mean, first of all, this place is so prestigious, you know, it, and it doesn't get old. I remember even my first three or four years just driving into the academy, just the feeling that I would get like, wow, I'm so blessed to be here and and uh, amongst these people. But, you know, as far as as far as the athletes, you know, it's they know what they want to do at civilian schools. A lot of them don't, they know that they want to go on and serve our country and do bigger and grander things. So, you know, athletics, honestly, my coaching standpoint is, you know, athletics definitely come third, you know, it goes the Navy academics and then athletics for sure. Um, 
So, you know, it's, it's just such a special place. I mean, everybody that walks on here, that's why there's, you know, 2 million people visit the Academy, you know, because they want to, they want to see what it's like. And, you know, for me to be a part of that and a part of these midshipmen lives is, is it's just special. Well, we couldn't agree with you more and we appreciate the time you've taken today. Um, everyone, Coach Rich McDonald of the Naval Academy Men's and Women's Swimming and Diving Team. Uh, we are going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll have our next segment. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, fans, as you're planning your next couple weekends, this weekend in Annapolis, if you can brave what little snow there's likely to be, uh, the Navy men's team at 2 p.m. will be hosting Kids Day in Alumni Hall. Activities for games include a face painter, temporary tattoo artist, uh, along with post-game autographs with the team, and then a special mascot basketball game at halftime. And then the following weekend, the Navy women's team will be celebrating National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Saturday, February 5th at 4 p.m. All kids in attendance will have the opportunity to interact with various Navy women athletic programs. So for both, be sure to call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. And then finally, uh, it's almost lax season. Uh, it, yes, it's still cold in Annapolis and around most of the country, but uh, as your mind shifts to spring, it should also shift to uh, Navy lacrosse. Season and single game tickets are now available for the upcoming men's lacrosse season. Coach Joe Amplo and his midshipmen will play seven home games at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium with the season opener scheduled against Mount St. Mary's Saturday, February 5th. Now, it will still be cold for that home opener, but uh, make sure that you uh, you get those tickets. Single game tickets are $10 for adults and $5 for children. Visit NavySports.com to get your tickets today. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Awesome conversations today. Awesome podcast. Um, before we take this out and tell you what's coming up here in the weekend ahead, Chris, I'd like to throw it over to you really quick. Quick one for you and Wags. Um, so when we did our basketball wrap up after um, the heartbreaking loss to Army, I mean, we were pretty down on this team. Um, and in fact, Ward was concerned that, you know, that type of loss may be something that wasn't even recoverable, um, even though there's a lot of season left. Uh, then they play really well against Bucknell. Were we way out of bounds? I mean, is that just a, you know, do you think it's our initial assessment is just a result of, you know, that tough loss, that loss to Army, um, or do we still have to, you know, keep a close eye on this team, and is there still a reason to to worry? I mean, I, I don't want the, the – I don't want to come across as schizophrenic to our listeners because uh, we were pretty down on uh, on Monday. Um, but, I mean, I liked what I saw, like you and Wag said, la last night. It's just I I'm struggling as a fan to figure out, like, where this team is. Yeah, it's a schizophrenic scenario, and I know Wags will have a much more informed opinion here, but let me compare and contrast it. You know, as a lifelong sports fan, the, the course of a season from November to March is schizophrenic. You have injuries. You have ups and downs. You have players go through funks, break up with girlfriends. Parents have issues. They just go cold from the field. And it's on the fans, you know, to kind of stick with them and watch what's working and watch what's not. And it's even more on the coaches and the players to take those ebbs and flows, much like what you're going to see challenges in the fleet and challenges in real life to take those troughs and try to find your way back up to the crest of the wave afterwards, like the university of Maryland basketball program. No one listens to this uh, podcast to hear me talk about Maryland, but this is a team that lost their coach after like nine games in the season, basically one of the worst teams in the big 10, they turn around, they beat a ranked Illinois team. And then they win at Rutgers on the road 
this team, this Navy team will do the very same thing. And, and teams like Duke and Villanova and Kansas and the Blue Bloods are not above it either. But I think it's just on them as players to recognize that there are troughs and that there are crests and you have to stay consistent throughout. Right, Wax? Absolutely, John. And I try to temper Ward's comments. And I'm, I'm not going to criticize Ward because he felt like so many other Navy fans who watched that Army game, it was devastating. And then you, you do ask, how do we bounce back from this? You know, these guys have got just to be, you know, crushed. But that is the nature of athletics. So you've got to bounce back. And that's what I said. No, the season, it's a long season. There's a lot left to play for. And my comment was very simple. And it remains so even today. Got to play better at home. If Navy does not start protecting its home court and winning its home games, it isn't going to win the Patriot League regular season championship. Period. End of story. Got to protect the home court. Got to start winning at home. You can't give away any more home games. They have a losing record at home, particularly in the league, and uh, it's got to stop. So start on Saturday against American. To me, that might be the most important game of the season because you got to prove that you can win at home and stop the three-game losing streak Navy's on right now in Alumni Hall. Three-game losing streak, and the games, some of them have not been pretty. One was a blowout loss. Then there was the Army debacle where they blew a 27-point lead. So two of those three home losses were ugly in their own right. So got to win against American at home. Uh, but, yeah, Navy's very much in the thick of this race, John. And, um, you know, they got the talent. We know that. I mean, we John – Carter Jr., Greg Summers, Richard Njoku, Patrick Dorsey, Tyler Nelson, on and on and on. This is one of the most talented teams Ed DeCellis has ever put together at Navy, and it is capable of winning both the regular season and the Patriot League Tournament championships, going to the NCAA tournament. But, you know, it's got to be more consistent. You can't have win one, lose one, win at home. I mean, win on the road, then lose at home. It's got to stop. Would you say we must protect this house? I would if said uh, Navy's an Under Armour uh, school. So absolutely. All right. Well, expert analysis as usual. Love the conversation. And yeah, I think we need to watch them uh, finish out this season strong. And if they do so, I have no doubt that they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. Starts again on Saturday, as we told you, against American. The women are at American at the same time. So unless you have flu powder, sick Harry Potter reference, you're not going to be able to go to both of them. You're going to have to choose one, either drive to D.C. in the snow or see American at home uh, against uh, the men's team in the snow. Um, wrestling is at Cornell. Uh, tennis is in action. The Laxers are scrimmaging. And a reminder, the week after next, we'll be bringing the Lax previews. So great week ahead. Great win against Bucknell. Awesome performance by the uh, track and field athletes. Good luck to everyone as they start navigating the, uh, the dark ages. And uh, yeah, for Wags and Chris, I'm John. This has been another great pod. We'll see you next week. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.